get the stories and we'll just see where it goes. Now, Kelly, I'm curious if you'll know who this guest is when you see them. So much pressure. It is pressure. I, I love you, Kelly. That's what I'm curious about. Because I like, how how long have you lived in Marietta, Kelly? Uh, since 1989. Okay, you've. Uh, my guess is you will know who this is because you've been in the community for so long. Okay. Okay. Let's go ahead and uh, welcome uh, Daryl Vidal. Daryl, thanks for joining us. Hey, hey, thanks for having me. Uh, you are you are the official first guest of of, of Tech Who. Nothing like being official. It's very official. It's very official. Um, yeah, so we're very grateful. So I think the first thing we were talking about is because Kelly has um, lived in the community since the late 80s. And uh, I'm wondering if she even knows, if she's on Facebook, she might know. No, I don't. You don't? Oh, you? Okay. Chris. Maybe she knows Miss April, my wife. Oh, don't give away Miss April Ooh, yet. Clues. I was... Some clues. Dare, Chris, do you know... Who oh, our guest is? Well, that's right. Don't. I'm honestly no. I'm afraid I don't. No, I don't. And do you know who Miss April is? No. Okay. I've lived Kelly. in the valley since '89. Oh wow. Okay. So Kelly, you don't know who Miss April is? Unless it's like, is it Miss April's dance? Yes. Oh, okay. I know Miss April's dance. So you know Miss April of Miss April's dance? I know. Well, uh, my daughter does. Yes. I have, I have attended um, a workshop class with my daughter, Stella. I was her, you know, um, whatever, usher, driver, <laughs> escort. Okay. Well, I, I just have to, we got to get it out there right away. I mean, uh, Daryl is an ed tech consultant, but his claim to fame is being Miss April's husband. Oh, <laughs> and that's so, hilarious. So thanks for calling Mr. April. That, that is it. So, if, I mean, if you know Miss April in Marietta, then... Yeah, you, if you're Marietta, you know Miss April, and that is it. So, welcome, Daryl. Um, so, it's a we're talking education, we're talking technology, and um, that's as much as Chris, um, middle school teacher in Fallbrook, and Kelly teaches with me at the high school. Uh, that's as much as we know. And so, um, you are an ed tech consultant. We're teachers. Like, what is what do things look like on your end? Um, okay. Well, if you don't if you don't mind, if I back up. A little mm -hmm. bit, maybe 20, 25 years. Um, so my background is in IT and telecommunications. But uh, back in the mid-90s, I did start, I, I was working at Apple for a while. And when you work at Apple, obviously they have an, an education focus. So I was covering K-12 and higher ed in San Diego. So I got to build the belt, uh, relationships with San Diego Unified, UCSD, San Diego State. Uh, and then after leaving Apple, I, I kind of went between different uh, systems integrators and then eventually had my own consultancy company. Uh, and I was providing consulting to San Diego Unified primarily, uh, among many other districts all over Southern California. And my role was doing the technology long-range planning for bond programs. So designing technology classrooms, doing wide area networking, local area networks, data centers, so all, all kinds of things that are usually back-end stuff, uh, except for the fact that um, I focus a lot on the classroom, meeting with teachers, understanding, you know, what is the classroom of the future? And we're going back 20 years now, so we're talking, you know, getting rid of overhead projectors and, and putting the first projectors in place and, and developing a standard for putting a projector in the ceiling, which is like, why would you do that <laughs> nowadays, you know? so. Uh, it, it, there's been a full uh, evolution in, in technology, both in the classroom, uh, and, and currently I'm, I'm consulting with San Diego Unified in all the COVID stuff. So, you know, we're dealing with student devices and distance learning, and, you know, at the same time we're dealing with emergency uh, wireless upgrades because, you know, now everybody's everywhere. Uh, and, and so uh, just to segue into kind of like the reason that, Jacob has me on is, is my most recent book, right? I'm okay to plug that, right? Oh, that's why we're here, man. Yeah, is, is my most recent book is, is about creating curriculum that is, quote, unquote, technology enabled. Basically that it's, it, we, you know, because you can't just take any curriculum and then use it for distance learning. Uh, and there's so many other components to it. So uh, this most recent book is really about first getting a school district to the point where 
uh, you can start to think about delivering uh, what I call tier four curriculum, which is curriculum that is fully technology enabled. And, and, and Daryl, while you talk, I'm just going to share um, your Twitter. Is that okay? Like, in oh, absolutely. Like show the resources. Sure. Um, because I was going to talk too, because I had seen, um, I'd gotten another book. Was it um, Confucius and, and EdTech? Yeah, um, Confucius and, and the technology realm. <laughs> and that was that was a great little primer. It really was in terms uh, as a teacher for myself who was um, just starting to kind of work with at the district level um, with teachers and you know the the group that does the technology planning. Right. Um, and just kind of understand those those big decisions and how they ripple down. But just to have something. Uh, you know, philosophical wise to kind of hold on to and say like, okay, here's some of the thought process that's going to yeah, sustain, the, sustain these changes. I'm, 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 I'm delighted that you brought up that book because I don't get to talk to you about it very much. Uh, and, but the idea is to overlay, you know, Taoist thinking, which is, you know, just kind of, you're, you're not the center of the universe. You're just part of the universe. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you're a victim of the universe or you're either, you know, it's just, it's, it's an existential Thought, but you know it really applies to, um, to technology in our world right yeah. because we're either immersed in it and we're, we're, we're dealing in in the dirt of it every day you know do I need to load this tool or, or learn this application or it just becomes like a pencil uh, and I use the pencil when I need the pencil and sometimes I I don't need a pencil I use the you know mm. whatever the whole thing is it's a tool uh, and some people you know, change their life and and get overburdened by this, the, the, you know, the, the necessity of tools. Uh, in reality, you know, two or three tools can accomplish everything we do. Uh, we just need to understand the breadth of the capabilities of those tools uh, and then apply them in a way that, you know, affects the students and the student learning. So, uh, you know, one of, so this, this most recent book, like I said, if you don't mind me segueing back, <laughs> is about what I call tier four curriculum. Now, are you guys uh, uh, familiar with the SAMR, the SAMR model? What is the SAMR? You can Google it. It is a model that was developed by uh, uh, an education guy about 15 years ago. And, it, and it's about technology uh, and its effect on curriculum. Uh, and then and, and how, how curriculum can evolve by moving up this model. So you can read about it later. I don't want to spend you know, a lot of time talking about it. But the idea is at the top level of the model, you are redefining curriculum so that it, yeah, here's all the stuff that you Google it. Uh, so if you move up the model, you can see at the lowest level, you're just substituting technology. And then next step up, you're augmenting the curriculum by utilizing capabilities. Then you modify and at the very top, it's called redefinition. And that's where, that's where curriculum is completely redefined and recreated to take advantage of all the technology components. Now, what technology are we talking about? Well, today we have learning management systems, right? Learning management. Now, now Daryl, I almost want to ask a quick question here because I think Please. that smart boards get a lot of, um, you know, there, there's a lot of opinions about smart boards. Like, Boy, you don't want to hear mine. <laughs> I, I do. Because I, I would say, like, where would a smart board with the ironic name it has place well, itself on here? I mean, I go back to, I go back 10 years and, and say that smart boards are just, you know, $15,000 pencils. So they're the S. So it's the S. Yeah, right. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I think you, you, can argue, you, you can argue that it goes all the way up depending on how the curriculum is applied and then used, right? So if you're... If you're using the smart board for collaboration and creative thinking and all these high-level practices, then yeah, it can be part of redefinition uh, because it, it enables multiple people to work at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you can collect that data and share it with others. Okay, those are the things that, that Tier 4 curriculum offers. So the, the whole idea with Tier 4 curriculum is forget those lower levels. Forget SAM. Jump to the top and start creating curriculum that is redefined. Uh, and, and, and so who does this, right? Who does this? Does Chris do it? Does Kelly do it? This is a district-wide endeavor, okay? So my book is about 
how does a district, you know, how do they staff it? Hmm. What are the standards that they use? And what is the process of creating curriculum at this level? So the book also defines something called the 6C process, which is the six C's of curriculum redefinition. Okay, and the, and the six C's, and you'll, you'll be familiar with them all, is, uh, you know, curriculum, common core, um, context, uh, creative thinking, uh, or cognitive factors, creative thinking, collaboration, uh, there's six of them, but they go in order, and the whole point is to use this process to create curriculum that, one, optimizes all the capabilities of learning management systems, you know, email, Google Classroom, uh, you know, message boards, grading services, schedule, all the, all the things that are tied into, you know, what, uh, you guys are on IQ or uh, Google Classroom, or what are you guys on? Uh, I'm Google Classroom. Okay, so, so, so Google, Google well, Classroom. See, Ke Kelly's really jealous because she, she's with me and we want to be at Google Classroom and, and you've worked with our district, yeah. um, I, I think, and, and we're not Google Classroom. Um, and so, yeah, Chris is over here being like, Google Classroom this, Google, Google Classroom that. Kelly's over here dying. Yeah, well, like, Google I, Classroom I, has, has all the capabilities and functionality, but it's not necessarily all built in, right? But so, we, when you don't have any Google, like when you're like, it's pretty much anti-Google, it can almost feel debilitating. We, we have the suite. We have docs and slides. But don't you have? Uh, don't you also have? Um, uh, that was Miss April, by the way. Was it Miss April? Don't oh. you have? Don't you have Haiku? We have we Haiku, but we just transitioned to Canvas at the end of last school year, slash, like basically in the middle of COVID. They were oh, already okay. kind of on the search for a new LMS, and so teachers started the school year with a brand new LMS well, campus. You know, I think, I think it doesn't matter as long as it has some functionality, right? It needs yeah. to have right. sharing, assignments, posting, uh, assessment, uh, scheduling, message boards, chat boards, video conferencing. Those are kind of like everything an LMS uses for. And if you think about it, as long as I have one that does most of that stuff, I should be implement, be able to implement uh, tier four curriculum uh, yeah. because um, because that's how it's delivered. Now, the other component of tier four curriculum is that it's flexible enough to be delivered in any method, any fashion. So if I have a remedial class, uh, I can just say, you know, read your homework and then turn in the assessment. But if I have an AP class, I could say, let's collaborate. Let's break up into work groups. Everybody has an assignment. You know, let's make a a television production, and your assignment is to do the marketing, and you do blah, 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 blah. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, so it's the same curriculum. It's just that the teacher has the ability, because of its the way that it's, it's developed, to use the components of the LMS, and uh, it's, it, it, it focuses on the cognitive factors, uh, critical thinking exercises, uh, collaboration. Since it has all those components, then I could, the teacher can say, okay, um, this class I'm going to do it this way, and this class I'm going to do it this way, and, and kind of uh, leverage the same uh, curriculum. Because I, I know even my, my own daughter is a third grade teacher at the school district here, and they're like, well, we have this, and we have this, and we have this. And never the twins shall meet. You know, it's, every teacher has to say, oh, I'm going to use this for this, I'm going to use this for this. And, and professional development only goes as far as saying, here's what you have. Here's what you have. You do yeah. it, you know, or well, maybe yeah, your cohorts do it. No, I think that's a big question. What are, you, are your thoughts? I think, you know, I've, we've experienced this uh, buffet of stuff where I think maybe, Chris, I don't know, you could talk like you've been. It's Google Classroom. You use Google Classroom. Everyone uses Google Classroom. It's streamlined. Yep. You have some limitations, but it is what it is. We have the, I, what I would say we've been given a buffet model where we like to buy a lot of stuff and say you choose what you want. And then when it came down to – needing it in critical moments there was a lot of confusion and consistencies so-and-so uses this so-and-so doesn't use anything um and i think kelly had noted that we came to like oh we need a consensus on a legit lms but we had one like the the prior haiku did all these things and so i kind of want to come to the question do you think daryl that we're at a point with this distance learning where we you, you talk about a district needs to drive this um 
with the teachers. I want to use the analogy of a train loading up all the teachers and taking them mm -hmm. to this tier four, right? right. Where I, I almost get this impression and intuition that it's like more like the wild west with this distance learning. We're all in our wagons and horses oh, and everyone has their own. No and it's like, yeah. there's, it's like get, get, get there to tier no, four. Now everyone just like. Not, not only is it like that, but I gave everybody their own wagon, their own rifle, uh, their own pot of food, and they could decide whether to work together or not. Yeah. And, and so that's what you have is the Wild West. So, uh, you know, as a, working as a consultant, uh, fighting bond programs for district-wide, we develop an attitude. You know, sometimes I go into a classroom and the teacher says, well, you can't put that there. And I, I say, it's not your classroom. <laughs> yeah. It's the school's classroom. It's a you're, just the, mm -hmm. you're just the tenant. You know, I'm going to build it yeah. the way that we're told to build it. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not so, I'm not so rude and cavalier, yeah. but... The point is, is that um, the other part is you can either gain a consensus or you can yeah. shove it down their throat. You know, sometimes you just need to shove it down their throat. And if, and if yeah. all the pieces are there, then consensus will come. You know, yeah. if, you, if you do the professional development and, and train everybody on how to do it correctly or a way mm -hmm. that you, as a standard, then you can have impact. I will tell you that I, 15 years ago, I tried to develop a, an LMS. So I dealt with all these things as we thought through it. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of the main things is if everyone's using it, if all the teachers are using it, if all the students are using it, it can be hugely successful. But if one teacher uses it or, you know, these kids have it for this class, but this teacher is not using it, you know, you're going to have limited success. It really needs to be embraced, you know, site-wide differently. So, Daryl, could I actually interject real quick and just ask a Please. question about um, pre-built educational programs? I found myself this year using a program called Edgenuity. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not. I, I, I know of it. I know it's out there. What, what, can I ask, what's your professional opinion of that? Well, I can't say that I've looked at it to the depth, and I'm not a classroom teacher. So, you know, those type of things are like left to people's uh, you know, capabilities but, and understanding. But, you know, here we are again. Um, who led you to this? You know, who, who, who paid for it? Because in reality, you guys shouldn't be paying for this stuff or trying to license it on your own. You know, the, the district should be doing stuff like that. And then they should license it, get a volume discount, train everybody on it so that they're all using it in the same way and same fashion. Right. It, if the district isn't, the district you know, don't, I'm not faulting every school district, but right now they're just struggling to put a, a laptop on a kid's yeah. desk. Mm -hmm. you know, um, that's what we're doing in San Diego. I mean, we're literally buying, you know, the numbers are crazy. 56,000 laptops, you know, for, for the second session, mm -hmm. you know, because we need to cut, keep 130,000 of them in stock. It's, it's just crazy numbers, but there's no, there's no mind share for tier four curriculum there. You know, they're thinking about computer, wireless, computer, <laughs> wireless, teacher, yeah. do it. Go teacher, you're doing it. These are odd times. Um, Kelly, did you have anything? So many things are like running through my brain right now. I'm like, I like going okay, I'm 90 miles an hour, but, but I feel like, you know, based on on what you're saying, you know, the whole like hurry up, now we have to get arm all these kids with laptops and kind of catch up in a sense i feel like when i see my my colleagues and my friends in surrounding districts that have already been one-to-one -one and that had google classroom and canvas they already had the tech they are not feeling as much of the stress and chaos as we are and it really is highlighting that we were behind in tech we weren't one-to-one -one. we didn't even have a cart per classroom um, many teachers weren't using the lms that we had even though there are tech standards, content standards, 21st century learning standards. And so to me, this is an opportunity for us to like catch up, you know, like we were on a little break, apparently we we're taking it slow. And now because there's a need, we need to rise to the level so that we can meet the needs of our students and survive. Well, you know, you raise a very good point. And, uh, you know, just as a little background, I've known Bill O'Lean for 20 years. Oh, he's so great. Uh, yeah, he is. And uh, I've worked with him. Uh, you know, I was involved with Measure E uh, in getting that uh, approved. So I have a 
you know, an intimate understanding with what happened here at the district. And I think, well, you know, Bill has been super, he has a very close relationship with instruction, which is, uh, you don't see in a lot of school districts. Uh, but the idea of one-to-one was something that was very controversial, as you know. Um, well, yeah, we, we had, I think, because we were on that, we were talked about it for so long, but it was the discussion between, all right, well, what kind of devices, things get outdated, and on the teacher yeah. level, we just wanted it so quick, and then there was, at the district level, there's so many complications and questions, and we don't want to make mistakes, we're watching other districts do things, and we're saying, hmm, let's not do that, oh, let's not get a bunch of iPads, and and, and we made decisions, uh, and I think it's one way, you're not going to please everyone, um, but yeah, I think there was just, uh, to you could fault it or not, but it was like, you know what? There's no need to rush these things. Right. But well, then, you, know, you know, no one saw this coming. No, nobody saw this coming. And, and, and it's such an important point because he was my first book I wrote about uh, back with Mike Casey, who was the former IT director of San Diego Unified, was all about um, technology for the sake of technology and one-to-one and BYOD and smart boards and all those things. You know, this is going back 10 years. And, um, you know, our position was one-to-one is, is a technology solution, not an instructional solution. Mm-hmm. Does it say, what's the right uh, device for a, for a pre-K? What's the right device for special ed? What's the right device for history? Uh, and if so, why? You know, what, what case is made? You know, it, it really they're saying, oh, we're going to buy a least common denominator, cheapo piece of crap, put it on everybody's desk. Even though in Marietta, they've got, uh, most kids have two other devices plus a smartphone. So, you know, what's the logic? I, I, we, 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 had, we talked about this a lot. Well, the logic is if COVID hits, everybody's already got something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you're caught, and you're caught short. So, uh, yeah, I mean, San Diego Unified, same thing. To, to now, the, to kind of jump to where we're at, Daryl, I, yeah. I, I mean, maybe we can just, because we're at it, we're at this moment, and I think a lot of us as teachers feel this, uh, at least I do, speaking for myself, I, like it's this watershed moment right now in, in public Absolutely. ed. Um, and more than ever, where it's almost fearful, like, will it survive or sustain? Will other entities step up to serve a need where public ed is uh, strappled with red tape and all kinds of entities where you already see like a Google putting out a certification program? Um, recently, the president signed something not requiring uh, degrees for federal jobs. All these things, the colleges, they're really struggling right now to oh, justify yeah. what they do. And so I guess my question is almost like, do you, do you kind of see this rippling down to public ed and public ed being in this, what I want to almost say, um, blockbuster situation where they can't afford to say, oh, you know, the, the hubris of blockbuster, you know, is notorious. Yeah, right? I, I know what you're talking um, about. And so are we, are, do, do you think in, in your professional opinion that public ed overall is finding themselves in this blockbuster watershed moment? Yes. I mean, they definitely are. The question is, what, what do they do, right? Which yeah. direction do they move? Uh, and there's there's a lot of conflicting, uh, you know, forces, if you will, that you guys know about. I mean, not the, not the least of which is you know teachers unions and stuff like that, which obviously we don't want to get into. But uh, the the watershed moment is this: education has changed forever. Okay, deal with that. Okay, because uh, when we started to say, uh, what are we going to do in fall? Well, what are we going to do in January? What are we going to do in fall 21? The reality is you need to cover all the spectrum. You're, you need, you're going to still have, in to, fall 21, you're still going to have teachers and families afraid to come back to school. Uh, and you're going to have this, I mean, you already have teachers and families that want to get back into school. Okay? How do you accommodate them all? Well, so, you know, that's therein lies the change. But we're just talking about infrastructure. We have not discussed curriculum. Who is in charge of curriculum right now in chaos? I mean, you're in a black battlefield uh, and teachers are in classroom trying to teach kids, or not in classroom, they're virtually trying to teach kids. And I'm, I teach karate, so uh, I'm looking at my kids online and saying, you know what, that kid's not doing anything, but I'm not gonna stop because this kid is just, it would take me 15 minutes to get It's this. the medium, you have to adjust to yeah. the medium. So, so I, I, think, I guess that's another question, again, uh, in the ed tech realm, um, as an educator, like, and- I'm not an educator. I'm like, well, as a teacher, <laughs> you, well, I think almost teaching and learning are so, you can te- if you teach something, people learn it and, and yes. you do the screen. So just like I would call Miss April, a 
teacher, a dance okay. teacher. Absolutely. You know, um, if you're doing this thing and how her job has changed, how she has to yep. do her teaching, your teaching, our teaching. Big transition. Uh, and, and it's so big to me. And I just don't think it's being emphasized so much on a, on a district level. Like we, we want to say, focus on the LMS, focus on this source. Like, do you totally realize my medium has changed? I now, mm -hmm. I, I had five senses to work with. I can control an environment. Now I have visual and audio. That's all I have to compete with. And there's com other competing visual audio. I no longer control the environment. So I, I find mm -hmm. teachers struggling who are trying to take their square peg of the face-to-face -face classroom right. and stick it in this round distance learning hole and they're having trouble. And the, and the trouble is you got to throw all those middle folders away. We're yeah. all first-year teachers. The game has changed. And I, 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 almost, I get the sense that either I'm overreacting or other teachers aren't no, carrying the, right. gravity, the gravity of it. You're right, but those teachers need guidance. And yeah. the guidance needs to come from the district level. And, here, and let me give you the secret. It's KISS. That's what we're here for. KISS. Oof. Keep it simple, stupid. Right? <laughs> Keep it simple. So, you know, one of the first things that I, I think that districts need to do is standardize on two or three platforms. Yes. You know, Google, you know, one content, one development. That's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I could go to Office or I can go to Google and get everything I need in terms of, you know, spreadsheet, document, a basic uh, graphic design, you know, video. I could get 90% of what I need to do in, in, in a classroom off of one of those platforms, either Google or Microsoft. Uh, Mike, I have a quick question for you. Sure. So I've heard that. And I'm really, I feel like I'm new to both, to Google and to Microsoft, but I just find with my own children, I have three school-aged children and myself and my students also, that Google just seems to be more intuitive for what I am teaching and who I am teaching it to. And um, I tried, have tried to use the district adopted Microsoft OneDrive 365 and was strongly encouraged to, and the expectation was to use OneNote. There were so many technical issues yeah. that the major, I'm not, and I'm relentless. I can't tell you how many hours I spent watching YouTube videos, calling Microsoft, having consultations, going to the district. I wasted so many hours trying to troubleshoot. And it was hilarious because one person at, the, at our district office would say, talk to so-and-so, they're the expert in that. And then they well, would point the finger at somebody else. And so- You want me yes. to tell you why it's like that? I want you to tell me um, why, I'll tell you it's like why that. it's like I'll tell you why it's like that. What you can do is something else. But <laughs> the reason it's like that is because Google was built from scratch within the last you know, era, you know, five, six, seven years. Microsoft has been building productivity applications since the beginning of you know, computers. So, you know, mm -hmm. call it 25, 30 years, you know, Microsoft Word, Excel. Those, each one of those applications is so robust that mm -hmm. most people use less than 5% of the capabilities of Excel, Word, you know, PowerPoint, all those things. So in building the suite of Office 365, Microsoft took all those and bundled them together and say, okay, you can use them now. Well, only business people and people that have been using those applications really know how to use them. And that's why they seem so complicated. Mm -hmm. Google you know, on the other side say, okay, let's take the top features of Excel and make sheets. Let's take the top features of Word and make docs. Let's make the top features of PowerPoint and create slides. Take the top features of this and create draw. Now I've got these. And you know what? Anybody that uses those thinks this is crap. Mm -hmm. But, but you, you don't use all the capabilities of that. So, so but it's, user it's like Google's so user-friendly. Yeah, Microsoft and it, it's better integrated, right? They weren't separate applications that have been brought together. They are applications that have been designed to work together. So moving between slides and sheets and Excel or, you know, is very natural and very intuitive. That's correct. Uh, well, and so, go ahead. It's, li it's like, you know, somebody had a great analogy. They said, you know, we could consider, let's say, Microsoft like the Ferrari or Lamborghini, some type of luxury vehicle. And it's amazing. No one would say that that's not a great car. Expensive, like amazing what it can do. Um, but in this instance, Maybe what we need is like the mom SUV to carpool six kids to and from soccer practice. And so the Lamborghini is a really good radio flyer. Yeah. And so we're not saying it's not great, 
but is it is it the appropriate tool for what we need it for in this instant in this environment and then it's just interesting because i keep hearing people say well they're the same microsoft and google they're the same they're the same and it's like okay well i can't you i can't deliver it i can't utilize those tools and so then i think how many teachers are spending countless hours? You know, you're wasting your time really doing that instead of looking at curriculum or figuring right. out ways yeah. to engage students, you know, like you were well, talking about, Jacob. Kelly, yeah. We don't, if we don't know, we don't know, you know. So like if I hadn't gone to like Q conferences or just started following people on Twitter, having conversations with my colleagues, I'd be like, I didn't even know I didn't know that. Right. right. But let's, let's, take the, let's take this discussion to the next layer, okay? Why is the teacher creating curriculum? You know, why aren't they using standard curriculum, mm. grade level curriculum that's already taking advantage of this? The answer, it doesn't exist. Why doesn't it exist? Because if a Scholastic, Huffman, Mifflin, and, you know, whoever these McMillan, if these guys create it, it's not customized for Fallbrook. It's not customized for MB. You guys need something that is attuned to your SES, you know, to your uh, region, to your locality, to your political environment blah, 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 shall we go on? So whenever a district takes, undertakes or understands the need for customized curriculum, what do they do? They license this and they pick that. And then they'll have a smattering of four or five different things. It just, it just will never work. It will never work until the di each district says, okay, I'm going to assemble a team. I'm going to have Jacob be the program manager. Uh, Kelly is going to be the content developer. Uh, Chris is going to be, uh, you know, a subject matter expert. Uh, we're going to take them out of the classroom for X number of hours or forever, you know, for out of the classroom. And they're going to, you're going to do this. You're going to develop standards. Uh, you're going to start developing curriculum, grade level, you know, discipline, uh, and start doing, you know, then have a training crew that rolls it out. And then over time, you develop a library of standardized curriculum, you know, that is customized for your district that everyone understands how to use, you know? So if I move from school to school, I'm using the same curriculum at that grade level. And, uh, you know, it's all standard and, and people are familiar with the navigation method and the, and the backend tools, and, you know, the LMS. And, but, you know, that's, that's a big, that's a tall order, but all the pieces are there. Well, we tried in Marietta, they tried to do something similar with curriculum teams and <laughs> English language arts specifically for secondary. Um, because they weren't ready to adopt. This is the first year that they actually have the new ELA curriculum for secondary um, that they finally adopted. And we had a textbook, to Kelly, uh, uh, that the textbook, even till last year, it was like, enhance your lesson with this CD-ROM. Um, oh yeah, it was pre-Common Core. Technology. <laughs> but it was pre-Common Core, the curriculum that we'd been using um, until last year in secondary ELA. But on these curriculum teams that was supposed to be like the bridge, it's similar to what you're talking about. But what, what happened, like, because I was on many of those teams, I don't know, Jacob, if you were too, but you had people that were on these teams that weren't necessarily experts in content standards, tech. And so then if you look at the final product, it was this hodgepodge of a crazy mess. And it's like, okay, let's, why, why? Yeah. And it was, it wasn't standards based and, um, and so my fear is, I mean, I get excited to hear you talking about, we need curriculum that is appropriate for where we are now. Um, but my fear is that, you know, if people are in those positions that aren't experts in those areas, then what is the product like, you know? So, so to answer that, it, it needs to be staffed correctly, right? Mm -hmm. People who are, are building, uh, you know, the, the, the developing the standards, if you will, need to know what they're doing. And then you need to engage subject matter experts, because if you think about it, you can't be both. You may be in both in one area or two areas, but you're not going to be both in all areas. So you're going to have develop, you know, your team who, who does uh, the content and who does the tools, you know. And I, you know, I started working with John Fox on this because I wanted to do a, um, a pilot at MV. And I said, let's just standardize on Office uh, as one tool to create everything with, you know, you're going to use PowerPoint, you're going to use, you know, Word, you're going to use Excel, uh, make sure all the teachers get their training on that. Now, uh, and then if you follow the 6C process, you're like, okay, what's the curriculum? Okay, we have this curriculum. Okay, is it core? 
Yes, okay, let's make sure that it's all common core. Okay, now, what are the cognitive factors? If you just follow the, the thing, you can start to de develop this, you know, are the artifacts of that curriculum. But it, it yeah, it takes a huge, it's a huge commitment. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, it needs to be at the superintendent level. And what's he thinking about right now? You know, he's got, you know, sites that have to be cleaned and, you know, just whatever those, all the, yeah. So with that being said, Dale, like I think I think you're touching on it right now. Uh, is that I think again, this Wild West analogy is, and I, I really feel it, you know, because there's teachers at sites we're all over the place, and I think we talk about this watershed moment. I, I believe, well, it, you know, it could be a whole another topic, but education has been flipped, and no longer are am I teaching to 30 eyes in my room, an occasional visitor. <clears throat> Now my product and my everything's out there for everyone. Yep. So I don't know how many eyes are on my Zoom, and so the the public is uh is how do I say this being more uh, expressive in their opinions about educators in school because it's just a hot topic. It's in their home. So are you, are you saying that that people from outside your classroom can be in your classroom? Yeah, essentially, because now they're seeing it. So now it's like you would have your student come home from school. How how was school? Sweetie Pie, like, what did you do? What was, and you kind of hear this, this thing, and you can, from anecdotal evidence, kind of say, good teacher, bad teacher, effective, non-effective, right. you know, now it's, but it's all in our home. So now it's like, I can see Mr. Burroughs' lesson, I see Ms. Alvarado's lesson, and then as, a, as parents, I think, and as a community, I think there's some consensus coming, good, bad, all over the place, but it's almost coming to this light of, this is what's going on, this, or wow, really good, and there's just a lot of opinions, and because of social media and other factors, these opinions are being more freely expressed. Whereas before it might yeah. be like, whoa, chill. Like, you know, we don't really talk about that, but now it's like, everyone's talking about it. So it's okay wow. to just talk about that. That sounds so, like a formula for no success ever. But that's, <laughs> that's where we're at. But that's where we're at, you know? So it's like, if, I, if I'm saying my lesson now, they can all, before when I was teaching, I can kind of wing some stuff and do some stuff. And perception was my 30 students and this, an occasional cell phone video. Right. Now it's like, it's all on record. It's all pre-planned. It's all out there to be, scrutinize, evaluate yeah. it. Um, and, and I really think that has changed the entire approach. Um, and so I don't know, I think what the question I'm trying to get to is you also, you know, you mentioned your martial arts background and a, a philosophy there. Is there, because all this comes trickling down from John Fox, everyone else, right? But at the end of the day, Kelly has to deliver with what she has. That's right. Chris, I got to deliver. And, and no one in the per public perception is going to go back to that and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Let's not uh, jump on Miss Alvarado for that lesson. Let's go back. No, they're going to be like, bad teacher, bad lesson, whatever. That's true. Yeah. Right. Tech, very right. tech, no People tech. Judge. So right. essentially, you, yeah. you're a renegade. You're, you know, you got to do this on your own. Um, and so what would you say, you know, seeing all, being, having this hawk's eyes vision of the process and understanding it on so many levels for so long, uh, just the teacher who's trying to survive today uh, and, and change the game for the end plan. I'm not five years out. I got... So if it's changing, I, I'm, I'm in it for the next, for the change. Um, right. and, I, and I got to adjust, I got to adapt. So what would you think might be some philosophical tenets um, that, you know, apply to what we talk about, you know, in your, your tech philosophy? Getting no, it's, it's a that. really good question. I'm, I'm actually kind of going through it right now and applying things from class because, you know, one in general, uh, and I think you guys can all relate is, Every student, you know, is different. Uh, and the more you can, uh, uh, you know, customize lessons for that student, uh, the more effective you can be. But there's other students. So, you, you know, you can't, you know, dedicate all your time to one student. It's just not fair. Uh, then there's the other component of does that student even care? You know, when my kids were going through school and when I kind of, I'll give talks and stuff, and I'll tell, I'll tell the kids, you want to do good in school, sit at the front of the classroom, participate, ask questions. And, mm -hmm. and if you have a question, you know, talk to the teacher. And, then, and the point is, if the teacher knows you care, they'll care about you. But if you sit in the, fat, in the back and you're a distraction, teacher thinks you're, there's other 150 other kids for that teacher. So, Darrell, what I hear you saying right now is essentially success in school is soft skills. We're talking Starbucks cards, smiles, <laughs> you know, it's... Wait, I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that. What I, what I was saying was... Uh, that does work, though. And, and the hand. The hand <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you can't, 
you, you know, you want to touch each kid, right? Uh, you want to know what they need. Uh, you can't. Uh, but overall, you, you have to, and this really comes back to that whole philosophical thing that we can all kind of relate to is you have to do right by what you believe is right, right? And if, if, you, if you can stand behind what you're, what you're putting out there, um, then you're just going to have to put up with the scrutiny as well. And this is true for me as a karate instructor because uh, I'm not uh, really hard on my students, but I'm definitely disciplinary. You know, I don't let them talk back or talk doing this or stand on the side or chew gum. Uh, you know, they you know, can't be out of line, raise your hand to ask questions. Yes, sensei. I don't have to say sensei, but it's yes. They'll say yeah. And I will, and, and you have to participate. You know, if you don't have a good attitude about it, you're going to go sit down. Pete, Parents bring their kids to me because some, sometimes they can't even do that with their own kids. And they say, oh, I like the discipline. It's like, well, you need your discipline yeah. on your kids. You know, what the heck? Why do you want me to do it? Uh, so, uh, you know, I think it's the same thing for you guys. It's, you know, much a, uh, a much difficult plane because, you know, your numbers are different and you can't necessarily be a hard ass to your kids all the time. You know, you're going to get complaints yeah. for parents. And I think the parents are all over the place. You know, my parents want to subject their kids to this and want to subject themselves to it. You know? They pay you to do, yeah, to do that. Vo it's voluntary. You know, you guys are getting people who might not want to be there and, uh, you know, might not agree with your methods. So it, it's, it's very difficult. But as long as, you know, as a person, uh, you can feel good about what you're, what you're attempting, uh, you know, and it's all for the good of, the, of society and teaching kids. And, you know, you can wrap yourself in, in, in what those type of good, good things and, and be honest with yourself about it, then, uh, you know, I think you, that's the only thing we can hold on to. Mm. So I think if I'm, if I'm hearing what you're saying is uh, with, with the sea of ed tech we have with us, you know, there's so many things you can do, but at the individual teacher who's in this ocean trying to swim, it, as long as uh, what you're doing is trying to make these students better than they came, mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't matter what app you're using. Uh, you right. Know, I, I mean, I think, I think the tools are the tools, right? Uh, you talked about Q. If you go to Q, what you'll realize is you'll never get your hands around all that stuff. You'll mm -hmm. never, it, it it's almost doesn't make any sense. Uh, Overload. A lot of in, in, innovative stuff that's out there. You just go to the Q, the, go to the, the Q uh, student demonstrations. Uh, you will see the ph most phenomenal stuff uh, that you've ever seen. Uh, but will you see that model replicated district-wide anywhere? Where do you see somebody say, I like what they did, let's do it third grade-wide. Mm. You don't see that, it's because that doesn't happen. It doesn't get recognized, it doesn't get modeled. Uh, maybe that teacher does it for a few years with another teacher. Uh, you know, why is that? Well, it's because it's not being driven from, you know, from the top. Uh, so it needs to be acknowledged, and that's why I'm trying to push tier four curriculum because I'm trying to get it at the top level and say, you guys understand what it takes to, to support distance learning. I mean, the whole COVID thing really is time, you know, in a bad way, it's timely for tier four. Now, when we talk about tier four curriculum, just to, we're talking about a philosophy. We're talking uh, about an method. approach, a an, method, an, a method. Yeah, and a this, defined method. So who would be the audience for this? Like you would like, this would be Bill, right? Like someone in Bill's position and yeah, at that Bill level. and yeah, even Supes. Yeah. I think that yeah, the, ultimately if I'm going to say you guys got to build it or a team, yeah. you know, the soup has to die in on that. He needs to say, I'm going to take this from there and this from there and take yeah. these three people uh, and put it under instruction, uh, give, you know, do all the little politicking unit stuff and payroll stuff that has to happen. So it's, it's the, it's the top you're saying from the superintendent to these, uh, decision makers need to understand and buy in on this method. Yes. Um, yes. And so, and I think we might even agree as teachers that that that, that gets lost, and that's just natural. So going down the train gets lost yeah. to the I mean, classroom yeah. teacher. Yeah. My my thing about classroom teachers is, you know, they're they're like our on, on, feet on the street heroes. You know, uh, they're that that cop, that fire person, that's that nurse, that's really doing the work, that's touching people. Uh, but are they able to implement systemic change? No, unless somehow they, their thoughts and practices go bounce all the way to the top and they're implemented, you know, district-wide, state-wide, whatever it is. Um, you know, we need those, those minds out there. Those are the minds that will innovate uh, because of need. 
right? Because of need, they're going to address something and they're going to innovate something. Who's looking for that innovation? Well, if I have a team at the district, that's what they do. You know, they find those teachers, they bring them into that team. You know, you're going to be our graphic artist. You're going to be our instructional designer. You're going to be our content. Uh, you're going to be our, uh, uh, our SME, our uh, subject matter expert. Uh, and, but, you know, that takes money. It takes organizational money, you know, that takes, uh, you know, discretionary now, funds. Yeah, well, without getting too much into it, it could probably be another thing, but I, I, I remember, and Kelly, we, we've probably even talked about this, like our district had offered out the gate this three models. And I had talked with my wife thinking like, what are we going to choose? And I, I was just like, there, it, there's no way logistically, financially, one of these can be even executed in the next two months. So that there's three even being offered is, is odd because it, I don't think it, if everything being cleared, how this would even look. We'd looked at the guidelines of schools and all this. And I think that brings up another um, point, maybe for another conversation is this, we talked about curriculum, but I, I recently last few years, I've really been fascinated and just intrigued by en environmental education environment. The design of the classroom is already pre-designed to like industrial education. You know, you got the, the room, stage right. and the stage, and it's all architectural wise. And, and I think you might agree that the environment is so much is just as important as the curriculum, how we set things up from our furniture, yeah. all that. And so we say, okay, we got the curriculum, we got this, but we're still in this setting that promotes something else. So it's like saying, okay, tier four curriculum, nice new car, let's go drive it on the water. And it's like... <laughs> um, Right, it's like it's not it, it is. You know, it's it's funny because you talk about that, and I I would say in the last year and two years, there's been a lot written about you know the classroom flexibility, you know, different type of furniture, uh, being able to change the furniture, uh, you know, having maker spaces and doing all of these kind of crazy things with the classroom. Now it's all blown up. You know, COVID changed everything. It's like, uh, what if I built a maker space in every class and now nobody can go to class? It's like. But that's what's so that. excited about these times because it it's an opportunity yeah. to be innovative. If you're like, okay, yeah. well, we were doing that. What are we going to do now? You know, when I couldn't use basically OneNote, literally my kids couldn't use it. We came up with some other activity. <laughs> about OneNote. And I know, right? And the activity ended up being amazing. And I got to know the kids on a whole new level because they went and made their own videos. And they- What'd you use? Flipgrid? they could use whatever they wanted. They just had to create their own video, basically selling what focus notes are. And they were hilarious and they were so diverse. And I thought, had I not had all of those mistakes, you know, really with OneNote, if I had access to it, I don't think that other thing would have ever like surfaced and the kids wouldn't have had that opportunity. And now I'm like, what do you guys want to do? What can, how can we make this engaging and meaningful? And then this is what I'm looking for. Sorry, Chris, what were you gonna say? Well, that, I mean, that's a great idea. Asking for the kids' input is chief. That's the best thing. Um, but no, I was saying that we adopted the, the speaking and learning standards last year in our history department. And so everything became about collaboration. Everything was about discussion, meeting together in groups, hearing them speak before they write anything. And now COVID's changed everything. All the collaboration now, we've, we've got to find digital means to, to make this happen. So right. yeah, Flipgrid or uh, shared documents. or So everyone's just searching for new tools. But, but doesn't the LMS provide some of that? Well, yeah, it, it does now. It's taken everything away from me. So I actually changed jobs. I've changed. I've moved to a different position in a different school, which is a virtual academy. So everything is done through Edgenuity. So as soon as... I actually, I don't feel like a teacher anymore. I feel like I'm a manager of somebody's education. I feel, so <laughs> I feel depressed. I don't, I'm not doing anything. I'm sitting here and I just- That's how we got you. I want to teach. I want to teach. Right. And Edgenuity doesn't let me teach. Here's what's so crazy. So I don't know if you guys have heard of Peloton. Have you guys heard like yes. they have commercials <laughs> yeah. all over the place? Sure. Okay. Uh, so I finally broke down and oh, got this. You, okay. okay. I, okay, so I saw a plug hanging. you're one of those, so, you're a Pelotoner. So I wasn't, and I'm like, I, so I don't know if you know about it, but basically there's a virtual instructor, but right. there's a community. And so they've really tapped right. into everything we were talking about in our classrooms, collaboration. Why do human beings need community? Why we actually need this, right? Yeah, yeah. And so financially, they're making a ton of money on it. And I'm like, I'm never even going to use that part. I'm not going to want that. It's cheesy. It's not good. That it part? is so motivating and it i'm telling you it has changed my psyche it's bizarre even my husband so i'm like trying to explain to my students that's why we want you to collaborate and be innovative so that when there is an opportunity you who knows you might create something Redefine. like peloton right. yeah i mean 
I, I understand that. I mean, from from a physical activity standpoint, there's nothing better than something to engage in. You know, I think uh, the problems I always had with things like running and cycling, it's, uh, it's boring mm -hmm. and tired. Blah, 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 blah. The, being mm -hmm. inside on a stationary bike, it would, it's even harder. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, in terms of the, you know, you made an interesting point about OneNote and, and the kids creating their videos. And, and I might uh, opine that, well, if OneNote did work for you, I think the kids would probably have been had equally as, as innovative and creative if they knew how to use it, mm. right? if, if everyone knew how to use it and they had access to it. So, mm -hmm. you know, your, your objection to it was, you know, you didn't know how to use it and you didn't have access to it. So, mm -hmm. uh, but if, if that was different and you had all that, plus you had a way to train the kids and they understood it, that probably would have been a different outcome. So they mm -hmm. had to actually overcome another hurdle in, in figuring out what platforms do. You know, and luckily, you know, there's so many of them uh, and they're all on their smartphone or their tablet or whatever. And there's that level of integration that, that is kind of inherent today. Uh, but, you know, 10 years ago, that would have been a very, very difficult task. It probably wouldn't mm -hmm. have happened. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's, you know, kids will, will do, they'll do it, they'll figure it out faster than we will, right? Absolutely, yeah. Kids, kids know everything, right. almost. They've <laughs> <laughs> been teaching me a lot. Now, Chris and Kelly, are are you watching any Netflix? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Are you, are you watching? Are you watching Cobra Kai? Uh, no. You know, I started to watch a little bit on YouTube when it was first on YouTube ages ago. I'd seen maybe the first three episodes, but no. Fun. Kelly, Kelly, no, you're not. I no, but I just watched on Sunday morning the guy who like came up with Netflix or whatever. They did an interview with him. Oh. And it was so interesting, just his whole company and basically where oh, yeah. it is now, how it's worth like a yeah. gazillion dollars. The blockbuster analogy comes into play and, <laughs> and yeah. And <laughs> so it's, it comes full circle, but yeah. But um, yeah, it was so funny because I thought this whole time that they might've guessed with Cobra Kai coming back and everything. I just finished the first season. Um, and it was only because your wife was posting about it. And I was yeah. like, oh, it is on there. Okay, so I'll check because I, I, uh, I was gonna watch it on, on, on YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, but it's its own world. I bet. I know. It, it's so cool. So I don't know if, like, I never thought I'd find myself being, like, Team Cobra Kai. Like, I love, like, the story, the nostalgia. Like, everything's coming back um, from the 80s. Yeah. Um, and I thought Bill these Ted two. Bill Ted 3 is just released. You guys Boys? see? Bill and Ted 3. Talking oh, yeah. about his revival. Yeah. It's, it's all coming back. Real thing. It's, it's, it's all coming back. But as we're wrapping up, I'm going to let Daryl explain. Because I, I thought you guys would have known if you've lived in Marietta. Um, but yeah, with Cobra Kai coming back, what has that been like, Daryl? Because they still don't even know what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. I like it. Okay. I like it because I think they, they captured the, the cliche uh, and the nostalgia of the 80s. And if you go yeah. back and watch The Karate Kid, um, you'll, you'll realize that it's a pretty funny movie. There's a lot of funny lines. Oh, yeah. Uh, the old man is funny. Ralph is kind of funny. Uh, the way he plays his character and my wife can't stand him in the new one. She says he's so forced, but we love oh, him. Oh, yeah. Well, but I think they're doing that on purpose, right? Is, really yeah. Like... I think they're creating, you know, that each character has their demons and they're dealing yeah. with it because, you know, Daniel was such a sympathetic loser, if you will. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he always won in the, in the end. Yeah. And now the, I think that my big question is, are, are we going to see you back in the All Valley? Okay. So um, in episode one, they use a clip from Karate Kid 1. That is me fighting yeah. Johnny. Yeah. Oh, no way. Yeah. Okay, so the, the back story is that I was in Karate Kid 1. Oh, no way. That's why Jacob... Get out of town. No, it's Ed Tech. You know, it's, it's all about the... Yeah, wait, 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 you you got to hear the whole thing because it's, it's not only a character, but it's a... I want to say a cultural, iconic thing. But I'm going to let Daryl take it here. All and right. Finish up so, have you guys seen the movie? Oh, yeah, many times. Many okay. Times. So, we just rewatched it with our kids like last week. <laughs> okay, so the Asian guy who's jumping around, flipping around, fighting Johnny at the end. Oh my right? God. In the semifinal. Can I bring it up there? I'm just going to bring up your, uh, your yeah, Twitter but... just so they can see it. Um, oh, same. And so. Is it on my Twitter? <laughs> yeah, I think you had some. You had some things where you were tagged. So there's Daryl in the, in the oh, first no scene. Yeah, he, he fights Johnny in the first scene. Um, oh my god wow and so but, there, but there's before more before you guys were born now <laughs> this is around i think me i think maybe chris i don't know are, are you older than me chris uh i was 79 
Um, okay, so this came out in 84. Okay, so yeah, it was two. But oh, yeah, so, so yeah, but there's just so much more, and I'm going to let Daryl take it away. Yeah, so when the old man, Miyagi, is on top of the stuff doing the crane kick, that's me. I'm the dog oh, right. for it. Yeah. No. So. But, I, I, but um, they, uh, Ralph Macho just did an interview where they talked about it, and they yeah. talked about the, 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 the move, um, the crane kick, and yeah, like, you're, you're the inventor of the crane kick. Well, essentially, they, the author. They, yeah, they they told me what they had. The writer told me what he wanted. Yeah. Uh, and then I made it work from you know from his uh, vision to uh, a real world interpretation. And then I had to get up on top of a post and do it twenty times so that. Oh my god. Film nice. it. Yeah. So that, that's a, now 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 could you tell this is really because I'm more interested. I have two questions here. One is like, what did it originally? What was the director come with something kind of crazy and you being like a martial arts being like. Yeah, well, it was it was kind of exactly like that because he says, uh, you know, the premise is the kid has his leg injured, yeah, right. So now he has to stand on one leg, and then he says he's going to put his arms out to the side like a bird, and I'm like, well, why would you ever do that if you were in a fight? You know, you have to have your hands out in front, <laughs> and he says, then you're going to jump, kick, and land on that same leg, and so I'm like. Mm, that's not how we do that kick. So I kind of tried it, came back yeah. and said, look, you, you can't do it that way. You're going to have to do it this way. You jump, you kick, land on the other leg, and then I can switch back real quick to you yeah. know, hold it up. And so that became the crane kick. And then I did that. They said, well, you got to do something with your hands. So this came from that. Nice. And so I, oh, that's nice. Yeah. So Daryl, after we watched that movie, I'm sure you've heard this a million times, but – my whole family, like all the kids, so I have eight, nine, and 16, we were all doing the crane kick in like the living room. And of course, I could do it no problem. And same with my husband, but it was hilarious because we're like, it's not that hard. We've been doing it since the 80s. And it was hilarious to like try and explain and do it. But once well, you have it, you have it. But you didn't know that that was an homage to me. No, I had no idea. Oh, I know. I've, I've been loving the uh, season finale when Johnny has his student do it. Okay, so my, my final question, then, Daryl, is uh, with, with that being said, and saying, considering the lethal nostalgia of the crank kick, being like the most deadly move of like the martial arts ever, what would you consider to be the crane kick of EdTech Tools? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, snap, Jacob. That was good. <laughs> I was saving this one. I was what pre-plotting. the great kid oh, of head tech? Well, I mean, would it be from the teacher's perspective or from, you know, the district perspective? Maybe even if it's a little broken, it could still work. You know, <laughs> if it's... Well, um, shoot. I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, to me, from the district-wide perspective, uh, the 6C process is the nice. great kid. Yeah, there we go. Because the 60 process, uh, you can find it on one of my uh, Twitter uh, feeds. Okay. I have it up there. And it's also in my book, obviously. It, it'll tell your district to buy a bunch of my books. Yes. Is that one of the, is that the seventh C? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that's what it should be, the, the seventh C. Oh, the crane kick? Okay. Yeah. Yes. There you go. Daryl, uh, I have a quick question for you. Sure. Do you um, meet with students where you're in basically this sort of a setting and where you get to hear firsthand, especially right now, um, you know, what kids are experiencing and what's like the real deal, what's really happening oh, yeah. um, with virtual learning? Uh, I have to say no. Uh, I, you know, I'm really, uh, I, I work at San Diego, I work for facilities. Mm -hmm. So we have to bond money so that we're the ones that are, you know, buying stuff. Uh, you know, the technology is being uh, purchased by IT and executed by instructions. So I'm kind of like a full step away from it. Mm -hmm. so, so even as much as I've been involved in finding classrooms uh, and, you know, infrastructure, and I've met a lot with teachers, I've never really engaged with students. Which it might be like, I, I'm sure, especially since you have the crane kick as like, I mean, that would be amazing. <laughs> But I think it would be so cool for them to be able to explain. You would be able to ask them questions that, like, I wouldn't even think to ask. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure it would be so insightful for you to hear from whatever, a four-year-old or a 16-year-old, you know, what they're experiencing and what they need, you know? Because yeah. I think just, I think there's a disconnect from 
that where you are and then even there where they are. There has I know to be. Between us and them, there is, you yeah. know, that's, I see it all the time. So it'd be great. Like where that, you know, you talk about those feet on the ground. They're, they're, yeah. the, they're the hearts on the ground. They're the yeah. minds on the ground. So yeah. it's like, can, can we even take it to that level and say, no, let's get great point. Uh, honestly, it's, like, I, it's rare enough uh, and um, uh, daunting enough to talk, talk to teachers. So when I'm talking to you, I'm like, oh no, you know, they're going to think I'm a nutcase. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to seem like I'm one or two steps away from, you know, your classroom. So the idea of going and actually talking to students is like mind blowing. I haven't even thought about that, Kelly. Well, I think it would be awesome. Like, I agree I, with you, Kelly. They, they would love listening to Daryl speak.